So I want to talk to you about how to make good decisions, how to make good decisions, and I want to talk to you about nine indicators. If you are driving a car, you will know, see on the dashboard of that car a number of indicators. For example, you will see um, the speedometer, which tells you how fast the car is going. You will see the uh, fuel gauge, which will tell you how much fuel you have in the tank. You will see also uh, a temperature gauge to let you know how hot your engine is because if your engine overheats, that could be trouble. And now when you have these fancy cars, uh, like my wife, uh, you have these sensors around the car that let you know if you're too close to an item behind you, too close to an item in front of you. Anybody here have those sensors in your car right now? Okay, God, I should turn to that person and say, you really have a nice car, because I know my car. I gotta be careful because, because, because uh, uh, I gotta remember when I'm driving my car, because sometimes there's no sensors in my car and don't wanna be hitting anything. Uh, but you got these sensors and these indicators that let you know where you're at. And I believe that there are nine indicators there are probably more, but there are nine indicators that I believe can help you make good decisions or help you to know the will of God. And what really is interesting is whether you are a Christian or not, everybody wants to make good decisions. Nobody wants to make a, a, a bad decision or a decision that is going to take you weeks and maybe years to recover from. Are you with me today? I was uh, in a meeting yesterday at, at, uh, at, our, at, at my office three in, in, in our administrative building, 345 Washington. And after the meeting, I came out and, and I was gonna go straight to my car and I said, well, let me go. There was a bunch of guys playing basketball and I walked, and this was about quarter past two yesterday afternoon and I walked to the basketball court and there was a guy who was leaning against the fence near me and as my usual custom just to kind of strike up a conversation or at least say hi I saw the young man he was about 19 and I say yo what's up ball player and he turned around and he said oh how you doing and then we started getting into a conversation and found out that uh, he knew people who came to our church and, and so I took a picture of me and, and him and sent it to the individuals who uh, he went to school, some he went to school with, one he knows. And we ended up in a two hour discussion where, where God allowed me to just share with him. And what was interesting is this young man, uh, the, really, the real thing that he wanted to know that we spent almost an hour talking about is what should I do with my life at this, at this very point in my life? And, and I was just struck by, I was actually stunned because usually people just say hi and that and goodbye, but he even said to me, no, no, let's come over here and sit down. I want to talk to you. It was almost like he said, I, I, I think I found somebody who's going to help me to understand what key decisions I need to make at this point in my life at the age of 19 or 20. What's my point? My point is, is that I don't care where you're in, whether you're in church or you don't even know Jesus. People want to make good decisions so that they don't have to recover from bad ones. So Jesus says, well, if you want to make good decisions, you really want to pursue my will. What I discovered that was really exciting is that Jesus basically said, okay, to make sure that you're always conscious of my will, 
I'm going to teach you to pray. And he says to his, in response to a question to his disciples who said, Lord, teach us to pray, not teach us how to pray. We know how to pray, but teach us to pray. And, and what he said to them in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, he says, when you pray, you address the Father in heaven, and then you, you hallow his name, which simply means to worship him. And then he says, you declare, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I want to know your will. Paul says that if we allow our minds to be transformed by God and not conform to the culture of the world, the culture of the world is crazy. I was talking to an individual, and you know, sometimes people know who I'm a pastor, we share, and the person said to me, well, you know, I think, I think if you're smart, what you should do is live together so that, live together with, with your significant other before you get married so that uh, you were able to discover their uh, tendencies and how they're like and whether they're sloppy, uh, whether they, you know, on and on and on and on. And you know what? It sounded right. It sounded logical, except I read statistics where the divorce rate is higher for people who live together before marriage than if they don't. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church, but that's all right. I'll talk to the people online. There is a way that seems right to men, but that ends up in death. You see, the bottom line is, is that if you want to know how to do marriage right, you need to understand that the person who created marriage was God, or is God. And God has a rule book of how to do it. In two years, I'm going on 40 years of marriage, and I'm as excited, hallelujah. I am in love with this fly woman. Mm. Ah, let me get back to the word of God. I'm so happy we get to end service earlier. Well, let me just, whoo, Jesus. But Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of the way you think so that you can prove, so that you can prove that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I say to myself, God's will always fills the gaps in my life. Good and acceptable and perfect. So there are nine indicators, as I said, that will help us to understand what God's will is. And as we're going or driving through life, look at those indicators. And I said, number one, uh, the precepts of the Lord, meaning the Bible, the word of the Lord. And, and, and why do I put that first? Because the writer of Psalms in Psalm 138, verse 2 says, God, you have magnified your word above your name. That's pretty powerful because the name of Jesus and the name of God is powerful. But he said, you magnified your word above your name. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one dot of the I across of the T of the word of God will pass away. This is the foundation you can stand on. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> and then praise. Praise is an indicator. Why? Because Psalm 22 verse 3 says, God inhabits the praise of his people. That's why Jesus said the first thing you do after you know who you're praying to, which is Lord, God, Jehovah, Father, is to hallow his name. Worship him. Why? Because God shows up where people worship him. I said God shows up where people worship him. I said God shows up where people worship him. And one of the things that you, you need to understand that no matter what religion you're in, it is within man or woman to understand that when I come before God, I have to bring a sacrifice. And the scripture says that now in Hebrews chapter 13, somewhere between verse eight, uh, sorry, verse 15, 
chapter 13, verse 15, it says, we should come before the presence of God continually, that is, given the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Psalms 100, verse 4 says, enter his gates with what? Which means that everybody has something to thank God for. I thank God for my mom who's still alive. I thank God I can breathe. I thank God I have a car to complain about. I thank, hey, I thank God for friends. I thank God for food, even if it's Lucky Charms or Cheerios. I thank him that I have something to eat. I thank God for a Snickers bar. I thank God I can walk. I thank God. Why do we have to wait till we lose something to appreciate it? Anybody ever have an accident or, or had to had a, uh, use crutches or sprain an ankle? And, and, and you remember the days when you used to be able to run down the stairs. Now you're... I pulled my hamstring playing basketball about five weeks ago. And after I pulled my hamstring and I was walking up the stairs like I was 100, and in my mind, I was like, oh, God, why didn't I praise you when I could just run up the stairs? Why do we have to lose something? You need to, why does that have to inspire our regret when we can praise God for what we have right now? Praise the name of the Lord. I want to say to some of you right now, if you were sitting next to your parent, I want you to turn to your parents and I say, thank God for you. Because you, you, because if your parent dies, both of your parents, your, your world will be turned upside down, not simply emotionally, but economically. I'm talking to somebody right now because you're upset and getting all in your feelings with your parents. And if you think, well, you know, did you text the pastor to talk about our argument this week? No, that was the Holy Ghost. So you need to appreciate your parents putting up with your nonsense. Sucking your teeth because you don't want to eat such and such when there are people all over the world who are starving. Famine going on in certain parts of Ethiopia because they're blocking the food from people to come there. And here you are, you can open up a refrigerator and, and, and there's, there's, you, you put leftovers in there from a dinner you had at, at Cheesecake Factory and all of a sudden people are oh, I, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was here. Turn somebody and say, he's talking about you right now. We throw away food. Now whine them, oh, I don't like spinach. I, you know what? Bishop, you are preaching. Yes, I am. Prayer. Luke 18, verse 1, God, Jesus says, men are always to pray and not faint. Prayer, Isaiah 56, verse 7, and Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. Uh, parents, I already went through that, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4 says, obey your parents. Uh, children, obey your parents. And, that, and I'm talking about adult children too, amen, because this is, the, this is the one commandment that gives a promise that if you would obey your parents and honor your parents, honor your parents, honor your parents, honor your parents that you will live a long life and I want to live a long life. That's why I take my mother on a date every Friday. I mean, I love her, but I want to live a long life. Amen. Uh, then, and bless your mom, you're watching online. And then uh, your pastor, or Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 15, it says, God will give pastors who have God's heart. Let me tell you something. You, no, I'm, no, I won't say this because you'll get mad at me. Turn your name and say neighbor. And turn, if you're watching on, online with somebody, turn to that person. And if you're not watching online, if you're by yourself, point to yourself. And so right here, turn your name and say neighbor. neighbor. 
you don't get to choose your pastor. <laughs> if you're a member of this church, I am custom made for you. I, I am, I am, I am. Because if, if, and I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Because let me tell you something. There's some people that, you know, they're just, they're, no, they're just, they're just not, I'm just not easy for them. Other people to consume. And that's all right. But God says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, I will give you a pastor. I will give you a pastor. I will give you a gift. I'll give you the gift of a pastor. And my point is, is that if you, whenever you're looking for a church, you, sh you, you should not pick out a church. You should ask God, where is the place you have for me? We're making choices based on, oh, I wonder if they have, if they, do they have a Starbucks in their church? Do they have a water slide in their church? Do they, do they have, uh, uh, do they have a, 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 a car that will pick me up at home? We're, we're, mm, we're choosing churches based on their amenities. Woo! Woo! And then at the bottom of the list is, well, can he preach? Or can she preach? God gives pastors. And many times people, when they leave PT and they say, can I find, you know, pastor, do you recommend a church? And we, I can recommend a church, but in final analysis, you need to ask God. God knows where he wants you to be. Uh, then partners, good friends, good friends. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of, the, of a friend. If you have a friend that will tell you the whole truth, nothing but the truth, even when you don't want to hear it, that's a good friend. If you have a friend when, you, when they tell you something and, you don't, and you're angry and you don't call them for a week and you're getting all upset and you hang up the phone on them and then finally when you come to them and apologize and they say, that's all right, I still love you, that's a good friend. If you have a friend who's always telling you what you want to hear, that's not a good friend. Because sometimes your stuff doesn't smell that good. You know, I am preaching up in here. <laughs> you need somebody to tell you, as I keep saying over and over again, who has veto power in your life? Who is it when you go shopping, they're like, nah, you shouldn't, get, you shouldn't wear that. No, but it looks so pretty. No, you should. But man, I, no. It, I'm, I'm telling you, as your friend, do not buy that. I want to talk about the last three here. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. And I want to read this to verse 50. Then David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied or you've insulted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Say my hand. And, and then notice what David says next. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your, the carcasses or the bodies of the camp of the soldiers of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that David is a bad dude. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This, ah, Sheba, this is not about me. This is about God's reputation. Ah, then all this assembly, everyone here, especially these jokers back behind me, the, the, the army of Israel who've been 40 days and 40 nights afraid of you, Goliath. 
they shall know that God does not save by a sword or a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Say our hands. So it was when Goliath rose and came and drew near to meet David that David backed up saying, what in the world did I get myself into? David said, hey, can I get some help here with this giant? No, the Bible said David hurried and ran to meet Goliath in battle. Amen? No. David was so crazy. He was crazy and had faith in God. The Bible said he ran, not simply to Goliath, he ran to the whole army by himself. Picture that. A teenager, 17 years old, running with his sling. And a sling is sort of shaped like a belt, and he's waving it with a stone, like, and he's running. Goliath is over nine feet tall. His armor weighs 125 pounds. One of some of you here. His spear, the top of his spear was 15 pounds. And David is running to him in the whole entire army. And then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, a rock, and he slung it and struck Goliath in his forehead. And the stone, the rock, sank deep into Goliath's forehead and Goliath fell on his face to the earth where he belonged. So I'm going to get there. So David prevailed over the Philistine Goliath with a sling and a stone, a rock, and struck Goliath and killed him. I want to talk about the last three things that God will use as indicators to help you to understand what his will and purpose is for your life. The last three P's are problems, passion, and proficiency. Problems, passion, and proficiency. Problems, you can talk about predicaments, circumstances. I believe that Many of the problems that we complain about, God has created us as his solution to that problem. How I ended up teaching boys in Sunday school is because the problem was there was nobody to teach boys in Sunday school. I'm talking about boys between the ages of 8 and 11, full of energy, full of excitement, don't want to sit still, well, I get it. And, and we could complain, why aren't there more teachers in the Sunday school? Maybe God is saying, you the answer. Why are there so many problems when it comes to immigration or how people are being treated or, 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 or all of the justice issues? And if you find yourself complaining about something over and over again, it could be that God says, you are the solution to the problem. It is quiet in this Pentecostal church, but that's all right. So you have this giant problem, Goliath. Goliath's name, it, it is derived from a, uh, uh, it, it is, it, the etymology of the word Goliath is exile or to denude, D-E-N-U-D-E, -E, which means completely nude. And when you speak of exile, unfortunately, well, fortunately, because when we watch television and we see slaves in exile, because of television, they try to keep it, you know, rated PG so that everybody can watch it. But really when 
When they sent soldiers or people in exile, they would strip them naked to shame them. And Goliath's job is to denude you, mean make you completely nude, because when a person is, is if, if a person was thrown out into the street on Magazine Street completely nude, the first thing that happens when a person is, it feels like they're nude, feels like they've been exposed, is shame. And the Goliaths in your life, whether, whether it's you're struggling in school or struggling in your marriage or struggling on your job or you got a bad review and, and you're wondering if they're going to fire you and, or, or, or you got uh, bad grades in school and wondering if they're going to uh, uh, expel you or, or kick you out of, of the college that you're in. The point is, is that Goliath's job is to bring shame to you make you embarrassed. And I believe in some instances, God has allowed Goliaths in our lives to make us pray, to make us call on his name. Let me keep going. And, uh, the other thing about uh, uh, the, the problems or the indicators that God will use is I want to talk to you a little bit about passion. Passion. One of my favorite athletes is Serena Williams. She's one of my favorite athletes. And what I like about Serena is I have something common with Serena, and that is I hate to lose. In fact, let me put it this way about passion. I believe the passion of hating to lose is stronger than the passion to desire to win. When I, when I was, okay, um, turn to the person next to you say, and tell them I'll respect the bishop even after this story. <laughs> Kids, I'm using this as an example, being transparent, don't do what I did. So, when we won a game, it was like, yay, we won the game, woo, 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 woo. But if we lost, if we lost. I remember I was 12 years old. Mm. Tony Naaman said he's talking about himself now. And we were in second place. We were playing a team in the, that were in first place. If we won that game, we would make it into the citywide, ensemble, the citywide World Series, or City Series. We lost the game two to one. And mm, we lost the game two to one. And you know how they had the lines after the game where you say, nice game, nice game, nice game, nice game, nice game. I, my parents will tell you, every game we lost, and I didn't lose too much in, in baseball, I would cry. And I remember I was sitting on the bench, I didn't even want to get up to say, nice game, because we lost. And one of my friends who was on the other team who went to school with me, he stuck out his hand and said, nice game, Brian. And I quenched my fists, got up, punched him in the chest, and said, nice game, that. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, thank God he saved Bishop. This is a cathartic moment. So I identify with Serena who's throwing rackets and because the pain of losing can be the driver 
that will cause you to pursue the very thing God wants you to pursue. David said, or the Bible says about David that I am going to choose a man who's after my heart. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord also says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And what I'm saying, I'm saying that David was a type of person that, yes, he enjoyed winning, but his fear was to lose the presence of God. I love what David says in Psalm 42. We sing it as the deer panther for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. That means you're supposed to sing with me. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You can sing online as a deer. Come on. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. Tell the Lord, you alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone does my spirit yield. Tell the Lord, you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee, and I long to worship thee. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. The reason why David said that is because he goes on to say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and appear before God? Or another version, the Good News version says, I, I long to worship in your presence. Where is your presence? Where, when, when, when can I see your face? The there has to be something in us that when we come into God's house, there is a fear of losing his presence. There is, there is if I don't sense your presence, I, I, the pain and the loss of your presence causes me to figure out what do I need to do to get in your presence. There needs to be a passion for the presence of God that maybe is driven by the unawareness or the loss of his presence. That's why I can't say, I can't speak for you, but when I'm in the house of God, I am not looking for who's here. I'm looking for who may not be here. And if you're coming to church every Sunday and you don't feel the presence of God, First of all, let me tell you something. The problem is you. I don't feel anything. Well, the question is, did you offer a sacrifice of praise? Did you say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness? Secondly, the other thing is, uh, David said in Psalm 62, my soul waits only on the Lord. My expectation is from here. What are you expecting when you come here? What do, you, what do you expect in Latin? E-X, out inspecto, look at. What are you looking out for? When I come into the house of the Lord, I'm looking for his presence. God, when, how are you going to move this morning? How, who are you going to touch? What are you going to do online? Where's the Jehovah sneaky? And I have discovered that people who are looking for God 
He does not disappoint because he will show up. He may not show up the way you want him to show up. Sometimes you'll show up with people running around the church. Sometimes you'll show up when you just sitting there quietly and all of a sudden tears are coming down your eyes because you felt his presence. You felt his comfort. Sometimes it's just somebody coming up to you and saying, I'm praying for you. God has so many ways to reveal his presence. If you stop putting God in a box and just say, God, I'm open for you. And the more he moves, the more you'll have a passion for him. And then what happens is that you, you have such a passion for God that God begins to download his desires into your desires, and then you start wanting what he wants, and that's where your prayers are instant, instantly because you're no longer praying based on what you want. You're praying based on what he wants. And sometimes I discovered that God wants more for me than I want for myself. Stop looking at your bank account to decide what you should do. Ask the Lord. Stop looking at your resources. Well, you know, my grades are this, and I don't have people who are network. The, the, the baddest networker in the world is God because he has the whole world in his hands. He'll bring somebody all the way from another part of the country to help you. He'll hire somebody to help you, and then they will leave in, the, in a month. Because God says, I want to help you. I am, who am I preaching to in this room? Who am I preaching to in this room? You come here wondering, am I going to make it? And God says, yes, you are, because I'm with you. Then proficiency, that's the last one. Proficiency means basically, you know, what are you good at? What are you good at? And David was good at a sling. Whatever you are good at could be an indicator that God's will is for you to move in that direction. And David was good at a sling, and that's how he killed Goliath. Let me, let me close with this. David says, and this is a revelation I want to drop in your heart. David says to Goliath, God is going to give you into my hand. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Repeat these words with me. You say, well, why do you keep saying that? Because, because if, we're, if we, we are in the image of God and our words are creative. So say this with me. God, God is going to give, going to give victory, victory into my hand. Into my hand. Ah, God's going to give victory into my hand. And I'm helping some of you because some of you have been saying your self-talk has been really bad talk. How am I ever going to make it? Will I get the virus? Well, on and on and on and on. How are my children going to get uh, a good education online and in person and all the uncertainty? And God is saying to you, I'm going to give victory into your hands. Say that with me again. God is going to give me victory. God's going to give victory into my hand. Amen. If, you, if, you're, if you're online, why don't you chat that out? God is going to give victory into my hand. Why don't you tap, chat it out right now? And, and so here we're going to go. So, and, and then David says, God's going to give victory into my hand. And, and this is the point I want to make, and then I'm going to close. Thank you for being so patient. I believe that David did not kill Goliath with a with a sling and a rock. What do you mean, Bishop? Okay, stick with me here. Are you with me? David says, God is going to give you into my hand. Just, just track with me here. You may have to listen to this over again. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the what? tongue. And they that appreciate what their tongue says, they will eat the fruit 
of their tongue. Are you with me? Now, that word tongue is the Hebrew word yad, Y-A-D, which literally means hand. So death and life, sorry, are in, that, sorry, the word tongue does not mean yad, it is the word power. So death and life are in the yad of the tongue. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. In other words, your tongue has creative power. But what's even better is that your tongue has the power to get the hand of God to move. That's why when God said to me, I can run around this church, but you know, I need to have to put on my mask. God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Are you with me? But he goes on to say, but Pharaoh will not let the people of Israel go unless there is a mighty hand to force him. When you use the power of your tongue in conjunction with the will of God, the hand of God begins to do what you cannot do. And so, what do you say? David, he's, he's using his sling, but he is prophesying. I'm going to take off your head. You come to me with sword and spirit. I'm not coming to you with a slingshot. <laughs> I'm coming to you with the name of the Lord. Slay your, slay your Goliaths with the word of the Lord. Hold up for a second. So what are you saying? I'm saying that you need to take your slingshot. See, this month, this month is mental health month. And so, Rather than me just sitting there and taking the devil's punches, I'm going to now shoot the devil with a rock. What's this rock? Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, I liken him to a wise man, a wise woman, who built their house on the rock. What's the rock? The word of God. And he says, the rain descends, the floods come, the winds blow, and beat that house, and beat this house, and beat this house. But the word of God says, and it did not fall, for it was founded standing on the rock. Yes, hell may break loose against your life, but the word of God is a sure foundation. Can somebody say amen? I don't care what the world says. Let God be true and every man a liar. Ha! Huh. He says, upon this rock, Peter, what's the rock? The confession of your faith, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So, when Goliath comes and mess with my mind, I got a rock here. This rock is Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Be anxious, be worried for nothing, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, I make my request known unto God and the peace of God. You wonder why you don't have the peace? Because you haven't been thanking God. There's a peace that passes all understanding that will guard my mind and guard my emotions. And so Satan, you coming to me with worry and anxiety, 
take that. Woo. Yeah, you can grab it. Give it to a child. It's right next to you. There it goes. Ah. Oh. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I'm losing my mind. No, you're not. Because this word says you have the mind of Christ. Woo. Oh. Oh, I love this one. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Thou will keep me in perfect peace if my mind is stayed on it. Trust thee in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah, there's everlasting strength. Let's see how far this goes. Oh, yes. Oh, all the way in the back. The next time the enemy comes against you, take the word of God. Point it in that direction. Point it towards your finances. Point it to your children. Point it to your enemy. Point it to that person who won't get saved. Point it to your business. Point it to your sickness. And fire away. And see what the rock of the word will do. Let's stand to our feet right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank the Lord. Online, thank the Lord. In the lower sanctuary, thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Before I go, I want to thank PJ for making this for me. I think I did a pretty good job. Good job, PJ. I didn't want you no know, Elder Roy or his dad get mad at me and end up breaking the window, and then that would have been really trouble. <laughs> I'm glad that you clapped and raised your hand and did all that, but this week, you, you, you got to fire the word. You, you, you gotta, that's the only way you're going to take out Goliath, is with the word of God. So I thank the Lord, the Bible uh, study on Tuesday night, the well, and Elder Jenny was talking about the scriptures and the word, the doctrine of the word. We must have the word of God. Point the word to your finances and say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Point the word to the struggle that you may have in this new semester or what one of your courses or the struggle you're having on your job and, and, and say, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. It's time to go giant killing. Mm. Point the word to your fear and say, Yo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are with me. You are Jehovah Shama. You are there wherever I'm going. You're there. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, his name is Emmanuel, meaning that God wants to be with you. But he can't be with you if you haven't invited him into your heart. As I said, we're made in the image of God and our words begin to move the hand of God. And that's why the scripture literally says, read it for yourself in Romans chapter 10, if you would confess with your mouth, again, see that yod, the hand of God, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved because with your heart you believe but with your mouth confession is made unto salvation 
as every head is bowed and every eyes closed, whether you're in this room, whether you're online, or you're in the lower sanctuary. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, what a tremendous opportunity to do that right now. His number one will, his number one will is not about you getting the, the spouse of your dream or the job of your dream or the home of your dream or the school of your dream. His number one will is that you make Jesus a part of your life. That's why he died on the cross of Calvary is so that you can receive Jesus. He cares about you and he has a plan for your life. But that plan starts with you receiving him. If you never received Jesus Christ as your savior or you have wandered far away from the Lord and, and, and you're like, I, I need to give my life back to Jesus. If you find yourself in any, those, any of those two camps and you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you pray for me? I wanna give my life to Jesus. I know I've been baptized, or I had First Communion, or I joined a church. No, you, that's all good, but the first thing is, did you, did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? So if you're here this morning, you say, Bishop, could you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus. Could you slip up your hand, and I'll make sure I see it. I want to pray for you. If you never received Jesus, he wants to come into your heart right now anybody who wants to see Christ, I'll make sure I'm not missing anybody. There may be individuals who are online or in the lower sanctuary, and so who, who I can't see. So we're going to say this prayer together and give them an opportunity to receive Jesus. So if you want, if you want to receive Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And everybody, if you could do that with me. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning, and I admit, Lord, that I'm a sinner. And all that is, and all that means is that Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again from the grave so that I could become a child of God. And so Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking you, Come into my heart, save me from my sin, and make me a child of God. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Can we give God praise? If you receive Jesus Christ, please uh, email us at the address below or if there's no address below, PT, mail us at mail at ptspice.org because we want to hear from you and send you materials that will help you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just take a moment to worship with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to do something different. I usually give a closing blessing to you, but I really feel in my heart that I want us to give a closing blessing to God. I want us to give a closing blessing to God. And how do we bless God? We express to him how much we appreciate his goodness. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? 
at home, online, has God been good to you? In the lowest sanctuary, has God been good to you? Come on, let's tell the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never sees, says his mercies Mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to pause right there, let you appreciate this song. Jeremiah sees the city of Jerusalem burning to the ground. He sees the house of God, the temple of God, burning to the ground. People are dying and all is lost. And yet in the midst of that, in Lamentations chapter 3, he says, Great is thy faithfulness. No matter what you're going through right now, Let's tell the Lord he's been faithful. They are new every morning. Tell the Lord that they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. this one more time for me no music it's just our voices to the Lord great is thy faithfulness oh Lord my father there is no shadow of turning with Thou changest not thy compassion, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou shalt ever will be. Tell the Lord that great is thy faithfulness. Tell the Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. time sing great is thy faithfulness tell the Lord great is thy faithfulness and it's morning by morning new mercies I see and all Ever needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, 
Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for eyes that see. Thank you for ears that hear. Thank you for good health. Thank you for legs that walk. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every provision that you've made for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my children who you have been a blessing to. Everything I've needed has come from your hand. Everything I've needed has come from your hand. Oh, God, forgive me when I was not faithful in giving you praise. Forgive me for complaining and whining and bickering, noting, not noticing that you have been good. Oh, bless your name, bless your name, bless your name. Has life been tough? Yes, but you're still a good God. I must praise you. I must praise you. I must praise the Lamb for sin is slain. I must praise you. I must praise you. I must praise you. I have to praise you. I've lived another year. I have to praise you. Between 700 and 8,000 people died from this virus. I'm still alive. I must praise you. I must praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Our church is still open. I must praise you. Our building is full. I must praise you. We have over 100 people online. I must praise you. People are getting saved. I must praise you. I must praise you. I must praise you. Only one person in this church I know who have passed away from coronavirus. I must praise you. I must praise you. I must praise you. I must praise you. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy. Father, as we go into a new week, help us to go into this new week with the same attitude and the same posture that we have at this moment. An attitude and a posture of appreciation for the goodness of God. David said, I will praise you for the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm grateful to you, Lord, for our congregation. I'm grateful to you for all that you've done. And so, Father, may the, we, we declare that may the grace of Father God, the love of Jesus Christ, May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you throughout this entire week. And may the indicators of God move in your spirit. And may there be an appreciation that your steps are ordered by the Lord. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everybody in this room and online and in the lower sanctuary say, I receive that blessing. 
Have an amazing day. God bless you. Mm.